The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? It's time. For the greatest radio talk show in all of Orange County, on the greatest radio station in all of Orange County. The OC Show. Right here. Right now. With me, your host, Cameron Jackson. Kicking ass and taking names later for you, the listener, letting you know what goes on here in Orange County, what the truth behind the politics that occur in this glorious SUV, caffeine-induced latte county. I am your Superman. Take it in. Take it in, Orange County. It's another wonderful day here in the beautiful OC. Temperatures today will be 93, a high of 93. It is the middle of October. The rest of the nation suffers while we bask in glory and sunlight. Now, if that was not one of the greatest openings I have ever done on this show, I don't know what is, baby. That was hot. Yes, it was hot. Man, that was a good one. God, I'm, keep, I'm just getting better and better and better at this. I love it. So, good morning, Orange County. How are you? I hope all is well. Yes, today we'll, we will be uh, kicking ass and taking names later. Uh, I've got a great show for you today, as always. I want to talk about Obama, the new Obama presidency, and what that means for you right here in the OC. I can't wait to talk about that. Also, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, I want to talk about good, our good, good friend, our little, lovely little baby boy, Todd Gallinger. Yes, he's new onto the. Uh, what, what would you call it? He's new onto the political scene here in Irvine, and uh, he's that fourth person on the Agron Slate Mailer, and he just keeps, his name just keeps popping up. Uh, I've never seen an outside candidate like, uh, the likes of which uh, is Todd Gallinger, and uh, he pops up over and over again, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about good old Todd Gallinger. If you want to get in touch with me, yes. Uh, I, I don't normally take phone calls on the show because I don't have a screener. And KUCI policy is, is if you don't have a screener, you can't take calls because we are absolutely live. We have no, um, what is it, delay. Other stations have delay. We don't. We are so awesome here, we go straight out. So that is why I don't take telephone calls. Uh, when I do have a screener, I'll take them, and there you go. Uh, but you are able to get in touch with me while I'm on the show. It's amazing. Yes, it's called the Internet. Excuse me. Breakfast keeps coming up. Uh, just send me an email at Cameron at net. You can also go to my website, theocshow.net, and see what upcoming shows are, uh, posts from the past. You can do podcasts. Uh, the interesting shows that I have, I do the podcasts for. So... TheOCShow.net, if you want to get uh, get in touch with me during the show, Cameron at TheOCShow.net. Be more than happy to read your email uh, on the air if it's relevant to what we're talking about, or hey, if it's just plain interesting. 
So, also, you if you're in your car now and you get back to the office and you're like, gosh, I want to keep listening to uh, Cameron Jackson and all that he has to say about the OC, well, you're in touch or you're in luck. You're also in touch. Just go to your Internet, uh, open up KUCI.org, click in the upper right-hand corner for your streaming audio. Bam. You got it right there in your office, at home, wherever your heart desires. So, uh, you know, I have to tell an interesting story before I get into all the fun stuff. I'm getting on to the freeway, the 5 freeway at Jamboree, just a couple of days ago. And I, this illustrates to you why I am your Superman. I get onto the freeway. I'm pulling off the off-ramp, and I look up ahead of me, and sitting in the middle, virtually in the middle of the on-ramp lane is a white 1960-something Volkswagen Beetle bug. So it's virtually right in my path that I'm traveling. And outside of it, on the driver's side, the driver's side door is completely wide open, and there is this old guy standing virtually in the freeway traffic, just standing there with his arms out. And I said to myself, my God, this guy is going to die. Now, there was a car parked behind him with some individuals inside who were doing nothing. I think they were just watching him. They were probably amazed that the guy was just standing there on the side of the road, in the freeway, lanes of travel, people screaming by at freeway speeds. You know what that's like. And I said to myself, this guy's going to die. He's absolutely going to die. So what did I do? I pulled up ahead of him. I ran out. And I start yelling at the guys as I'm running down to them. Because, you know, it takes a while. You never realize how far away things are on the freeway until you have to stop and get out and walk back to something. Because you go so fast on the freeway. I'm running back to the guys. I'm like, get out of the road. Get out of the road. Get out of the road. And the guy uh, is just standing there. I come up behind him. I'm like, I, I, and I'm like, you need to get out of the road. And this old man looks at me and he's like, don't you yell at me, young man. I'm blah, 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 blah. Somebody just hit my car. I said, uh, can we just get out of the road? So we finally got the guy out of the road. The other three guys that were in the car, they decided to take some action and help me uh, get the guy out of the road. Got the car out of the way. Called the CHP for the guy, and it was it was absolutely hilarious because the guy was so angry at me because I yelled at him, and I tried to move him out of the freeway. I saved his life. I saved this man's life. He was so angry at me, he starts lecturing to, <laughs> he starts lecturing to me about where the Volkswagen came from, and how when he first bought the Volkswagen after World War II, people used to threaten he and his wife because it was a German-built car that Hitler had uh, come up with for the Autobahns. So I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And then when the CHP officer pulls up, he walks up to us. The guy's still yelling, half yelling, half telling me historical things that he already knew. And uh, the CHP officer walks up, and he, and he looks at the CHP officer, and he puts his hand up to him, gives him the hand, gives him the hand, and says, I'll be with you in just a second. <laughs> I looked at the old man, and I said, I said, Richard, I said, Richard, he's more, he's busier than I am. <laughs> Deal with the CHP officer. And off I went. Off I went. So anyway, Richard, I hope you're doing well out there. You're, you are possibly the meanest, most honorary old man that I've ever come across in my life. Um, you were just mean. You were mean. And uh, yes, you're welcome. I saved your life. But I do have to say this about him. For being as old as he was, he had great teeth. I don't. I, he was tall, and I was like looking right at his mouth because I'm a short guy. Beautiful teeth. I was thinking to myself while he's yelling at me, I hope I have teeth like that when I am his age because he had to be at least in his 70s. Uh, maybe even his 80s. I don't know. He probably he needed to get a reevaluation on his uh, driver's license, which I should have said to the CHP guy, but you know how they are. They, they don't want to hear what I have to say. Anyway, uh, all right. So, oh, I don't want to get into that yet. Do that after the break. After the break, I will be talking about Todd Gallinger, baby boy Gallinger. Okay, so we had the debate. What was it, last night, the night before? I think it was the night before. Yeah, the night before. Wednesday night, we had the debate between Obama and McCain. And I listened to about the first half hour or so until I had to move on. I couldn't listen anymore. And I haven't been able to listen to the rest since. And frankly, I don't think there was anything in there that was going to change my mind or 
you know, make it different for myself or probably anybody else. I think most people are almost made up. Um, but here's the thing that I found interesting. You know, McCain came out, he was pretty strong, but he had some problems. And part of the problem, and I think this played well for Obama, was that they started quibbling about little things that didn't matter. And I think Obama was more than happy to go down this path because it just diverted uh, attention from the bigger picture for McCain. And obviously the big picture right now is the economy. That's what everybody cares about. And they started quibbling about things like who Obama associates with and hecklers in their crowds and what their hecklers are saying and uh, negative ads that McCain has been running. These types of things are distractions that most people could care less about. And while it's kind of interesting on the soap opera side of elections and politics, it really doesn't mean anything for the average voter like yourself or myself. So I think, ultimately, Obama probably came away from that debate um, pretty much in the same boat as when he came in. And McCain, hey, he may have done uh, a little bit better. I think he did a little bit better than his other debates, so he may have swayed some more people. But there's an interesting dynamic going on in this country right now that is contributing to Obama leading in the polls. And ultimately, I think he will be the president of the United States. I mean, if you look at the electoral map, which is really more important than the popular vote, because remember, Bush lost by the popular vote in 2000, but he won the electoral map, right? So that is how Obama has been playing the game. That's how Obama played the game in the primaries against Hillary Clinton, and he did so obviously very effectively. And that is obviously how he's working it now. And it's really a brilliant strategy. Not only that, he does lead in the popular poll. Obama does. Of course, the recent Gallup poll that came out only has him leading by two points, which is within the margin of error, but still, that's one poll. We've got multiple polls. Most of the polls, especially in the states that are considered battleground states or swing states, show Obama with a healthy lead. So... Obama's going to be the next president. What does that mean for you and me? Well, I think we all know what that means. It means that our first socialist president in a very long time is going to be elected. And our taxes, while he claims that the middle class tax is not going to get raised, it's going to get raised because he's going after small business. And small business makes up the bulk of this nation's output. All right, so what he's saying is basically if you make $250,000 or more, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket. And he's going to, as he said to Joe the Plumber, and everybody likes, let's get on, let's talk about Joe the Plumber real quick. Because Joe the Plumber, all the conservative blogs have been talking about this. It came up in the debate. And let's not lose sight of what Joe the Plumber is about. What the left side is saying now about Joe the Plumber. Let me set this up for you if you don't know what I'm talking about. Obama is walking around Ohio. He's talking to voters. And this guy named Joe comes up to him and says, hey, I want to buy a plumbing business, and I'm going to make more than $250,000 a year. Does that mean that I'm going to get taxed more? And Obama basically says to him, well, yeah, if you're making more than $250,000 a year, yes, I do. And he's like, well, you know, how's that the American dream? And Obama says, and I think it was very revealing, that, hey, I think it's okay to take some from the wealthy people and spread that wealth around. Spread that wealth around. It's very telling about Obama. We've always said that he is to the left and that he's a socialist. And that kind of statement is very important. Now, what the left is trying to do is say, oh, Joe doesn't make a lot of money. Joe's not really a licensed plumber. Blah, 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 blah. Joe this, Joe that. They're trying to kill the messenger because they want to divert your attention from the message. And that message is simple. Obama wants to take money from the rich and give it to the poor. It's his trickle-up economic theory. Reagan had trickle-down economics, which, interestingly enough, 
since 1980, we've done pretty damn good as a nation. Hmm. And then when you look at, go back in time, and you look at President Johnson, who had the trickle-up theory, the Great Society, remember, you know, Johnson was a long time ago, I understand, 1960s. But Lyndon B. Johnson had the War on Poverty, the Great Society. That's when most, all of our huge economic programs that we have today, Endowment for the Arts, uh, Welfare, um, let's see, Social Security was an FDR thing. Uh, what else did we get from Lyndon B. Johnson? I don't know. It's so far away, I can't remember. A lot of the basic government programs that we have now that fuel and fund uh, you know, Head Start, those types of things. Those are Lyndon B. Johnson projects. And if you look at the economy from Lyndon B. Johnson up to Reagan, what did you see? You saw a downhill slide. Right? Okay, so you have kind of a socialist, socialist 30 years. You see a downhill slide, 2025. Then you get to Reagan. Trickle down, economics, you see the economy go up. And go up for quite a substantial lot of time. I mean, 28 years. Essentially, we had a 28-year run. So, the economy goes up, boom, now the economy falters. Bang, that plays right into Obama's hands. And Obama is telling you and me that if we make less than $250,000 a year, boom, you're golden. You're golden, baby. I'm not going to tax you. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. There's, and there's two very telling things, actually three telling things about this. The first is this. The American electorate today has changed, and Obama is playing into that. He played into that by running a 21st century campaign using the Internet, uh, YouTube, iPhone, um, this younger generation that he can manipulate much easier with leftist propaganda because they're stupid, they're idiots, they don't, know, they don't know anything about civics, so they're very easy to manipulate. He's using that to his advantage. God bless him. And the electric today is one of hand-me-outs, handouts. They've gotten everything given to them. My generation and the generation after me especially. Everything has been handed to us. We know no want. Everything we've ever wanted has been given to us. We know no sacrifice. We just know that when we pull up to McDonald's, there's a cheeseburger and fries waiting for us every time we go. That's what we know. And Obama has played into that brilliantly. And he is offering us everything that we want. He's offering us the handouts that we require that we think we deserve. And part of that is, hey, I'm going to start taking from the big guy. Kind of like how we take from mommy and daddy. You see the, you, you see the parallels there? I'm going to take from the big guys. I'm going to take from Warren Buffett because he can, he, yes, Warren Buffett, he can afford it. Bill Gates, he can afford it. All these people making more than $250,000 a year, they can afford it. And I'm going to give some of that back to you. You're going to get a tax break because of that. We're going to start spreading that wealth out. But here's where the problem occurs. And I can say this from experience now because I am a small business owner. My wife works for the government. She makes a nice paycheck from the government. God bless the government. And I have a small business. And I can tell you right now, I'm going to do everything in my power, once Obama becomes president, to never make more than $250,000 a year. And that is the problem, because I'm not the only one who's going to think that way, folks. Obama says that by doing this, he's going to create jobs. Folks, I'm not going to create any jobs if I'm capped out at two hundred fifty. The guy next to me who's got a small business isn't going to create jobs if he's capped out at 250 because there's a long way to go between $250,000 to maybe something more comfortable like $5 million profit a year. Where if I was making $5 million profit, I'm just throwing this number out there because for me $5 million a year would be a nice profit. That would be a nice profit and I wouldn't mind paying a little extra tax on that. I would be okay 
paying a little extra tax on that. But anywhere in between that, though, you're going to start having some problems. People are going to say, why am I working so much to get my money taken away from me like this? You're going to stifle growth, you're going to stifle innovation, and you're going to stifle creating jobs. That three-letter word, jobs, that Joe Biden talked about. It's actually a four-letter word. Yes, we know, Joe. I think he just got a little excited. But that is the crux of the issue right there. If you cap people out and you say $250,000 is the magic number, people are going to start staying below that. You're not going to see tax revenues rise. Just the opposite. They will probably fall. You're going to see fraud go up. People will do more to try and hide their money than they do now already. And they're not going to create jobs. These are all very, very, very important things to remember when you're talking about Obama's tax plan. Very crucial. He is Robin Hood. He is going to steal from the rich to give to the poor. And the poor people, trust me, I worked in poor neighborhoods. Poor people don't stimulate the economy, folks. They sit on their asses during the day and do nothing. They leech off of you and me, the people who are out here working their asses off. That's what poor people do. That's why they're poor. They're always poor. They will always be poor. Let me let you in on a little secret. The rate of poverty has not changed in the last 50 years. Despite all of the programs that we have to get these people out of poverty, it has not changed. Now, you can maybe argue, well, the population has changed, so, I mean, that's good. The rate of poverty still has not changed. We have not put a dent in poverty. The war on poverty, as Lyndon B. Johnson declared it, is still being waged. And it will always be waged because there's always a segment of the population who wants to sit on their ass. You cannot deny that. It's the same everywhere. Poor people are poor for a reason because they don't want to get up in the morning. They lack the discipline and the necessary skills, nor do they want to obtain. That's the key. They do not want to obtain the discipline or the necessary skills. They are okay working that way. And Obama is going to make it even easier for them. They will have more opportunity to sit on their ass and be lazy. And that is the other part of the issue. That will never change. Obama is not going to change the rate of poverty. He is simply going to stifle growth and innovation. Now, what boggles my mind, my last two points, what boggles my mind is that in this time of economic crisis, which Obama states over and over again, we are in the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, hitting that home as often and as just as many times as possible to remind us how crappy our situation is. We are in the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression per Barack Obama, and yet they're talking about raising taxes. We've got a Congress whose approval rating is 10%. Democratic-controlled Congress, 10%. And they're talking about raising our taxes. They're going to make gains in the House and the Senate in this election coming up in November, and they're talking about raising your taxes. Now, John McCain is talking about lowering your taxes. And yet, as a nation, we sit there and we're like, all right, no problem. Sounds good to me. Let's give it to them. Now, I know here in the OC, we're not, we're, you know, we're red, red, and we're more red than we can even, we're crimson. We're crazy red. But the rest of the nation, oh, whew, you know, there's certain pockets of red here and there. We all know that. But I mean, everybody, they're rare to go. Raise my taxes. But the thing that's crazy about it is they're going to raise your taxes, and most of us aren't even going to see anything for that. We're just going to see more spending on poor people. The middle class isn't going to see anything. The middle class, and they're eventually going to have to raise taxes on the middle class because they account for the majority of taxes. So, and y- y- another thing that I think is very telling 
about all of this. Let's go across the Atlantic Ocean over to Europe. What has been the trend in Europe over the last, I don't know, three, four, five years? What are they, who are they electing into office in Europe? Huh, conservatives. Sarkozy in France? He's one big example. Uh, the new chancellor in uh, Germany. They're electing conservatives. Their policies are shifting from 50 years of socialism to more conservatism. They are realizing over in Europe, after being taxed 70, 80, 90% for the last 50 years, they're learning that that doesn't work. France has a huge, huge labor issue over there. They don't have enough labor. People just are, it's more beneficial for people to sit on their ass six months of the year than it is for them to work. Is that what we want in the United States? But that's where we're heading. We went conservative, and they say this is a 30-year cycle. We went conservative for 20, 28 years. Now we're going to go socialist for 28, 30 years. But isn't it interesting, though, how Europe has been playing this game far longer than we have, far more consistently than we have, and they are now realizing that that is not the way to go, that it has destroyed their economies. Europe is in a shambles economically. They are not the powerhouse that they said that they would be. The euro has not been, yes, the euro has been stronger than the dollar, but that's been because we keep the dollar weak so that we can keep our trade um, issues in balance. Surpluses, blah, 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 stuff that's more, uh, somebody else knows more about that than I do, but you get the, you get the drift. So these are the things that are going on right now. You've got Europe leaning more conservative. You've got Obama saying he's going to start taxing people who make over $250,000. You've got a generation of people who are raised saying, where's mine, and getting it. Obama's playing into that. And meanwhile, Joe Taxpayer, like you and me, we're going to get screwed come November. Trust me. Trust me. Trickle-up economics is not going to work. It never has. It never will. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, either the left or the right, it doesn't work. It might feel good. It might feel heavenly. You might just feel like you've done a service to everybody out there who walks around who's in need. But at the end of the day, folks, you've got to vote with your pocketbook. And I vote with mine. I want to make sure that I have my money. Because the government takes my money. It takes your money. It's not the government's money. It's ours. Remember, the government is for and by the people of the United States of America. It's not this abstract thing out there that just sits out there and sucks us dry. And remember, what they take away, they will never give back. We'll leave it right there. You're listening to The O.C. Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your host, Cameron Jackson. Let's take a break, and then we will be right back to talk about baby boy Todd Gallinger. That's right, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The O.C. Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions and views expressed in The O.C. Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the U.C. Board of Regents. And just remember, folks, I am your Superman. telling you all that you need to know about Orange County politics and what really happens here in the Big O.C.
Hey, I've got an email here from Sabine. Let's, 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 let's uh, read this one. I like this one. It's a good one here. Thank you, Sabine, for writing in. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Uh, here's what Sabine writes. And again, you can uh, check out the show at theocshow.net online, or you can email me during the show, Cameron at theocshow.net. And uh, Sabine writes here, Cameron, it's not about spreading the wealth around. I think it's about spreading, again, equality of opportunities via education, via health care. You mentioned that Europeans are voting conservative these days. Not all. Look at Spain, for example. And being conservative in Europe is certainly something else than being conservative here. Nobody would question national health care insurance or national health care systems, for example. Things you would call socialist. I think it's stupid to stay below $250,000 a year just to avoid more tax. Sabine. Well, you know, I, you do raise some interesting points there. I think that we do have a health care uh, crisis in America, for sure. We do need to figure out how it is to figure out health care so that people who are disadvantaged, who can't afford it, can get it. But am I for nationalizing health care? I don't think that that's the way to go. You're putting, there are too many entitlements then that you are burdening taxpayers with. And the problem is that who are they going to come after to get those entitlements? It's the middle class. I'm the middle class. Sabine, maybe you're the middle class. And that's my issue. Health care is just such a problem. Because, you know, for me, it's like my wife has health care through the, through the county. And so we pay a $15 copay. We don't think about it. We don't think about those costs that are associated with health care. It's not like car insurance where every month you're paying a premium to your car insurance. What is it? Whatever it is, $150, $300 a month. Every month you pay that to your car insurance company throughout the year. So you, you're thinking in the back of your head, hey, this costs me money. It's not just, you know, let's just throw the car to the, to the wind, and, and if we crash it, no big deal. And then we have a deductible on top of that. Health insurance is a little more hidden. It's harder to, to wrap people's brains around what's happening with health insurance because most of us, we get our health insurance from a company. So we don't really understand those costs that, are, that, are, uh, that companies ensue to keep our premiums low. And what politicians love to use are people who have, are, are those finite number of people that have gotten themselves into a position where all of a sudden now they're out of health care coverage for whatever reason. They have a catastrophic illness, something occurs, and they just don't have enough insurance. And those are the people that we are, we legitimately want to help those people. I'm not against helping these people. But I don't believe in a blanket policy for everybody that's run by the government. I don't believe that the government should have any business in running health care. For everyone. That is socialism. I mean, Social Security is another example of that. That is an entitlement that we are going to, we have to pay for all these baby boomers. Folks, if it were up to me, I'd say get rid of Social Security for me. Get rid of it. You, I don't want it. You, let the baby boomers have it. They worked for it. Let them have it. But then after that, let's cut it off. Let's get rid of it. But politicians will never do that because it's the gift that keeps on giving for them. It's one of those things that they can bring up election cycle after election cycle after election cycle. They can just bring it up over and over again. But folks, that is a huge drain on the national budget. The retirement systems that we give our social servant or our civic servants these days, from cops and firefighters to public defenders, it's outrageous. It's a golden parachute. And that is a huge liability on the bottom line for the federal, state, and local governments. And it is a form of socialism. It really is. And the other thing, Europe, well, Spain, you know, Spain was scared uh, crapless, so to speak, after the bombing, um, where Al-Qaeda was sending them a message. They're going to stay, you know, whatever, Spain. They're going to stay liberal because that's just how they are. No big deal. 
Uh, what else did you say here, Sabine? Oh, she says, finally, I think it's stupid to stay below $250,000 to avoid more tax. Well, you know, wait till you're paying that tax, Sabine. I don't know that you are paying that kind of money right now. You probably are not if you make that statement. But seriously, people are going to make a concerted effort to either keep their, their, their profits below that if they're anywhere near that. Because let's say that you, you're, you make your profit is $251,000 a year. Well, boom, you're up in the next tax, tax bracket, whatever that might be. It's like, what, 35% right now? What if it goes up to 65%? Well, that's a whole hell of a lot more money that you've got to pay all of a sudden. And there's a big spread there between 250000 and, like what I said earlier, $5 million. And you could throw out any number you want. Everybody's comfortable with something else. But for me, it's like, ah, that's a stretch. You're paying a lot of tax in between there. What's the incentive? So anyway. Thank you for the email, though. I like that email. Those are very good, well-thought-out emails, Sabine. I do appreciate that. So anyway, thanks for listening. Um, okay, so uh, Sabine got me off track. That's okay. Got me off track from Baby Boy Gallinger. You know, I keep getting these Irvine community news and views in the mail, and I love the, the, the front cover on the newest issue is Kang Crom Agron Gallinger say yes on R, yes to the Great Park, while Shea, Choi, and Rogers and Wakeman say no to the Great Park. Of all the issues, you know, I don't know that Irvine residents or Orange County, uh, for that matter, are very interested in the Great Park anymore. I think that we know that that is a boondoggle and a debacle, and I think that uh, we are simply like, okay, good. I'm glad Shay, Choi, and Rogers are saying no to the Great Park. Good. Good. Let's find something else to do at the Great Park. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I don't know that that plays favorably. I, don't, I think they're running out of issues to slam Shea on uh, and, cry, and uh, not Choi, rather. I think they're finding uh, that those issues are running down. So anyway, um, good stuff there. Uh, you know, Gallinger has just been a lightning rod. In, Orange, in Irvine politics, and uh, I had him on the show. You can go to my website, theocshow.net, and listen to his previous podcast, uh, his previous interview. Um, he, he's been reported on now. Uh, we, we've got the newest thing. The newest thing, as of my last time I've talked about him, was he got death threats. That's right. If he didn't want anybody to know he was a Muslim before, they know it now. Um... Uh, because somebody called his office uh, last week. Let me look through my, uh, my, my files here. Uh, it must have been like Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And threatened him. But he wasn't there, actually. It was a co-worker that was threatened, uh, threatened to get beheaded. Yes, from the Orange County Register, October 10th. Muslim candidate reports death threats. Now, let me stop right there. That was something that I don't think he really wanted to be public. And the reason I say that is because when he was on my show and I brought it up, and the reason that I brought it up was not um, to say, ah, you're a Muslim. It wasn't that. And we, I, the way he answered the question, I really, because I, I thought I was going to get more flack from him on that question. And the reason I didn't follow it up was because his answer was, well, it was pretty substantial. I'll give him that. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. What is the issue, though? What is the issue is who he is associated with as a Muslim. That's the issue. And more and more of that is coming out. So anyway, let me back up, though. The reason I brought... Well, when I brought it up to him and I asked him the question, there was a little bit of silence. There was a, there was a pregnant pause there. And, and he gave me a, an odd look and had to think about what, how to answer that. He was not expecting that question. And the reason I brought that up was because right now, the biggest Democratic candidate in the nation, Barack Obama, has done everything possible to ensure that people do not associate him as a Muslim. I mean, news organizations go nuts if anybody says Barack Hussein Obama. You are a racist and a bigot for saying that. I mean, really, they get uh, just, I mean, it's just like, how could you say? How could, I mean, remember when somebody brought that up, there was somebody who did an opening, an opening for John McCain at one of his rallies and, and, and referred 
to Barack Obama as Barack Hussein Obama. And there was just this outcry, this uproar, this, oh my God, how in the hell could you have done that? And yet, Obama's done everything he can to separate himself from that. And here we have, I just don't think any of this is playing well for Todd Gallinger. Because remember who Todd Gallinger is. He's that fourth body. He's the fourth body on the slate candidate that, uh, for the slate mailer for Agron. He's that fourth person. And it's very telling that Agron is using him for that political mean and only that political mean. I don't think that Gallinger has a snowball's chance in getting elected. I don't think he really wants to get elected. Um, well, maybe he does. But he is here for Agron's bidding. And that's what the rub is with people in Irvine. They know it. And all these little things that come up, they're, they're, they're distracting from the bigger picture of who he is, who he associates with, and what his real purpose is here in Irvine. And while the Agron slate has done this in the past, put up fake candidates for their own means, they did it during Crom's election. Uh, they put up a fake Republican. I can't remember his name now, but he was in here in studio one day doing a, a debate quasi-debate. I guess it wouldn't be a debate if he was if he was known to Crom who he was and they were on the same team. But essentially it was to take votes away from the other Republicans that were running on the on the board. Particularly Christina Shea. She still won. And so Agron is using this poor little boy, Todd Gallinger, who's just getting filleted in the press and by me because of who he is and what he stands for. And that he's allowed himself, he's put all ethics aside, and he's jumped onto this Agron boat like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I had him in here in studio. He thinks Agron's a wonderful, yeah, stand-up kind of guy. Don't believe everything you read in the OC Weekly. Because what does Scott Moxley know? He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about election law. Just don't worry about the fact that he was the spokesman for the Reagan administration when it came to election law. Don't, eh, we'll put that one aside. He doesn't know anything. He's not an attorney. I'm an attorney, Todd Gallinger. Damn it. Listen to me. So they've been slowly kind of trying to take away from the issues here. They don't talk about their record. Agron doesn't want to talk about his record. His record sucks. The Great Park isn't going anywhere. He brings up all these little propositions and measures and stuff to distract from what's going on, to throw mud at people like Christina Shea and Choi, Stephen Choi. That's all these issues are. Are the Great Park measure and the S, the secrecy measure, these are just things that they can throw out there to the voter and say, look, they're not in favor of it. And what's very telling, what's very telling about all of this is where Gallinger stands in this. The, camp, the finance reports for this uh, community Irvine News and World Report, whatever it is, that's run by uh, Mr. Uh, Franklin Lunding, who hasn't returned my calls, doesn't want to come on the show apparently. Franklin Lunding, who lives in Monterey, who's a very concerned citizen of, you know, I guess California, who also is the ex-Treasury Secretary to Larry Agron. Where does Gallinger fit into that? How much is Gallinger given to this slate mailer? Because this slate mailer... Every week, this, what is it, eight-page, newspaper-like, full-color, full-color mailer comes out into our post office. It comes, out, comes to my house and my post office box. Two of them. One household gets two. And I look around in the post office, and I see other people carrying it, so I know it's going out to a lot of the, maybe the registered voters, maybe they're not, maybe it's just every citizen in Irvine. Doesn't matter what you are. You just live here. So this is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, at least, at a minimum, to do this. How much is Gallinger given? $500. That's his part in this. $500. Crom is given, what, $30,000, $40,000? Agron, same. Choi, uh, excuse me, Kang, same. And the tens of thousands of dollars their campaigns have given to this, Gallinger, $500. Now, they always say, if you want to find out what's going on, follow the money. And that's my point in this. He's put nothing into this. 
500 measly dollars. He lived in South County for years. He came on the show and claims, oh, well, it's expensive in Irvine, but we finally got an opportunity to live here. So now I moved in April. April. April of this year. And then, boom, all of a sudden, he's in Irvine politics. He's a carpetbagger, folks. That's, that's all he is. He's here at the request of Larry Agron. Larry doesn't have anybody else. He has to go after this poor kid who is naive, whose ethics are a little bit shady based on who he associates with, CARE, Kinder USA, these organizations that have ties to terrorism. He plays it off like, oh, I just did accounting work for him. It's no big deal. But with this latest Kinder USA lawsuit, he's trying to sue on behalf of Kinder USA somebody who didn't like what was written in a book. A gentleman spent a lot of time studying Hamas, studying what Hamas does, how they're involved in terrorist bombings. Kinder USA didn't like that. They wanted to sue him. They did not want that book published. Who, who suggested to Kinder USA that they sue the publisher of this book? Todd Gallinger. And yet then he goes into a city council meeting on Tuesday and he says that he's for free, for free speech. He says in here, my radio station, that he's for free speech. I'm only for free speech unless you're willing to pay me enough to say I'm not for it anymore or I just don't like what you say. Then I'm not for free speech anymore. What's it going to be? It's You can't have it both ways. And that's what Gallinger likes. He likes to have it both ways. This isn't the first time. You can't say in one breath, oh, I'm for free speech, and then the next breath say, except when it's against something that I don't like or if somebody's willing to pay me enough to say I don't like it. Because let's say, face it, that's what attorneys are in the business for. They're in the business to make money. I work with them all day long. I know these things. The other instance where he can't have it both ways, he goes in and he lambasts. He stands in front of city council and he trashes Christina Shea. Trashes her. How she's unethical. How blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. How he can't believe that she would try to block his request for public, public records and that he's the public and he's here for, to make sure that uh, you know things get done correctly. And yet... When they go after him, then all of a sudden he comes back in and he cowers down to them. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you would do this to a citizen. I mean, I was just trying to do the right thing. And you people come back and you start going after me for over an hour in the council meeting. How could you do that to me? You can't have it both ways. You can't go out and politically attack somebody and then expect them not to do the same to you because you're not a private citizen in this case. You weren't before and they knew that. They knew that Todd Gallinger was working for Agron. They knew that he was part of the Agron campaign machine. He sits there and he says, oh, I just like to do public records requests because that's just my thing. That's my gig. I like to see what goes on with the uh, city government. I like to keep tabs on them. As a private citizen, I enjoy that stuff. I, you know, I, I just have reams and reams and reams of that stuff sitting at my house. Really? It's not opposition research? You expect me to believe that as a private citizen you just like to go in and do public records requests all day long? And then the stuff that you find, you just attack one side with it? I haven't seen you do any attacks on Agar and Crumb. You're telling me that of all those public records requests that you've done, there's not one iota, not one shred of anything that has come up on the Agron Crom Kang side. Nothing. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. They are angelic. So you cannot... So this is a guy who wants it both ways. He wants to throw it out there as if it's this, but then when it comes back and it's not this, it's something else, it's that. Just as hypotheticals. Then he wants to cry. And this whole thing about the Muslim and the, 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 the threat. Come on. Give me a break. This is just distracting attention from the bigger issues. Somebody called my office and said they want to behead me. Oh, my God, run to the hills. Hide my wife and kids. Oh, I don't have any kids. I've got a dog and a cat. 
I mean, come on. I mean, this is like just, this is sophomore high school garbage. This is not what we want from an, I'm sure candidates get threats. God, if it's not on a regular basis, I'm sure it happens. And they're not running around, oh my God, it's, it's, it's and, and the newspapers, the newspapers, of course, they're willing to talk about the fact that you get threats. That Todd Gallinger gets threats because he's a Muslim. But they're not willing to talk about his associations with terrorist organizations. Or with organizations that support terrorist organizations. Not willing to talk about that at all. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is. Because newspapers don't want to get bombed. Newspapers are freaking afraid of Muslims. Look at what happened. Look at what happened when on campus here, they wanted, the young Republicans wanted to put up pictures of Mohammed from that uh, political cartoonist in Amsterdam. Look at the response that occurred because of that. It was out of control. Right now, you can go up and you could, you could put posters up of Jesus Christ getting sodomized. By Mr. T. And people would be like, ah, alright, I'm good with that. No problem. That's good. I like that. I, I, I'll live with that. That's cool. But boy, you want to put up a picture of Muhammad? Huh. Huh. Stand by to stand by. You want to be like Salman Rushdie? I mean, seriously, folks. That is why the newspapers won't touch this with a 10-foot pole, because they're afraid. It's easier for them to say, oh, look, he's a poor Muslim. Look what people are doing to him. Oh, poor guy. They want to behead him. And have the police made any uh, arrests in this? Have we heard anything else about this after the fact? No. You got one day's worth in the L.A. Times. And I don't even know if that's going to play out well for you. Now everybody knows you're a Muslim. Now, is that going to play out well for you? Maybe in some segments of the Irvine population it will. But overall, I don't know. I think that there's just so damned scatterbrained over there. And there's so, it's just, the ethics have just traveled off into another planet over there. And they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. So anyway, I'll keep harping on this one. We got a little bit, we, we got more time till the election comes up. I'm sure that we'll see more dastardly deeds in the newspaper about how baby boy Gallinger is being exploited and, and dissed because he's a Muslim. Woo. All right. Uh, you know, it's been a great show, I have to say. Um, coming up next is A Student Life. And this is a dual time slot. We've got two things that come up. We've got A Student's Life with Judy Alexander, and then after that is Career Quest. Oh, I think that's how they do it. So is it one week is one? Is it one week is one? And you're the other one. All right, so the other one is, oh, it's Student Life. No, no, Career Quest. Aha, good. All right, good. She's yelling at me through the window. Uh, Career Quest is next with Emily Woodman-Nance, and uh, that will be an excellent show as always. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This has been The OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson. Thanks again for listening. Check out my website, theocshow.net. See you later. See you all next week.